0: Hello and welcome to New Books in Psychoanalysis. My name is Sebastian Truel, your host for today. And today I'm talking to Jacob Johansen uh, about his just recently published book, Fantasy, Online Misogyny, and the Manosphere, Male Bodies of Disinhibition. And just as a means of introduction, Jacob is Senior Lecturer in Communications at St. Mary's University in London. He's author of Psychoanalysis and Digital Culture, Audiences, Social Media and Big Data, which was published by Rutledge in 2019 and of the forthcoming uh, Event Horizon, Sexuality, Politics, Online Culture and the Limits of Capitalism, which will be coming out in 2022 on, uh, I think, zero books. Right. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Jacob's research interests include psychoanalysis in digital media, sexuality in digital media and psychosocial studies. He's co-editor of the Counterspace section of the journal Psychoanalysis, Culture and Society and a founder scholar of the British Psychoanalytic Council. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jacob. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you about this book. It's been a fascinating read for me. Uh, And, you know, usually we we just uh, we start off these conversations by asking about your motivation in writing this book. But I think with uh, your particular volume and and subject, uh, I think it might be necessary to kind of pose a double question. What interested you in the subject and what what is what is the manosphere?
1: Yeah. And so so I'll I'll explain a little bit uh, what the sort of subject matter of the book is. First, so um, in in principle, the book is a kind of psychoanalysis of the manosphere. So, the manosphere is a term that describes or or, or kind of kind of summarizes or subsumes um, a collection or a sort of clustering of communities, websites, um, spaces different uh, platforms on the internet Um, and while they may be quite diverse um, they have sort of one thing in common or they have a couple of things in common Uh, the first thing that they have in common is that they are sort of designated spaces for men they are kind of reserved uh, spaces and and websites and so on that are sort of operated by men um, and they are for men so so anyone who uh, in most cases would you know uh, wouldn't sort of identify as male or, or wouldn't call themselves male uh, wouldn't wouldn't sort of be allowed uh, to be part of those communities and groups um the manosphere secondly is also uh, w- w- sort of also also characterizes many of those uh, um, different communities not maybe not all but many is that they are um, specifically anti feminist they are um, sexist, uh, and and very often they are highly misogynist as well, um, and and um, sort of in they, they they also kind of kind of show a sort of violence uh, in within 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 uh, those communities as well, um, and in the book I sort of in in the different chapters of the book I kind of psychoanalyse in a way or kind of kind of kind of write about different communities of the manosphere. Um, and and we might sort of get into them uh, as we as we you know as we go along. But that as a as a sort of introduction, that's what the manosphere is about. It's a kind of loose clustering of communities, websites, spaces uh, that have some things in common, but at the same time they're also quite diverse and quite distinct from each other as well. Um, what motivated me to write this this book is that um, it's a good question when I, when I started kind of kind of um, looking into some particular communities of the manosphere um, it would be impossible I think to write a book about the sort of manosphere as a whole that's uh, just impossible so I look at exemplary kind of communities um, I was really struck by the the sort of level of of misogyny, the level of sexism, um, the the symbolic violence uh, that also in some cases kind of leads to actual real violence outside of the internet. Um, And that was something I hadn't really encountered before, uh, sort of on on, on that level. Um, And at the same time, I also relatively quickly kind of discovered or, or felt that those men uh, in those communities also, they, they are more than sort of just you know a bunch of misogynists. Um, and I wanted to challenge maybe a little bit. Um, there's, there's lots of research on misogyny. There's lots of research on online misogyny. Um, there is research on the manosphere or on incels or some of those kind of specific communities. And they are very often... Um, only looked at in terms of misogyny or they are kind of discussed from a very critical angle and and I, I, I very much agree with that but um, I think there's more to that there's more to, to those communities there's more to those men so I wanted to challenge um, that maybe a little bit as well that there is sometimes a bit of a sort of one-sidedness to, to these arguments where they are being dismissed as mere kind of misogynists um, and if we apply a kind of psychoanalytic lens, um, you know things start to get messy. Things start to get more complex. I think. Uh, so, th- so, so that, that th- those were some of my motivations uh, for this book. Right, right. You
0: you just mentioned the the psychoanalytic perspective you have on on the subjects you're looking at, and from what I gathered in the book, like one of the, one of the main, main protagonists or or people thinkers you use is Klaus Thieleleit, a German, German thinker who did uh, this, this massive study on, um, on soldier men uh, in the Weimar Republic in, in Germany, right? These um, you could call them proto or pre-fascist men um, who, who, sort of um you know laid the foundation for for um statewide fascism in germany um and and it's it's i think it's a very interesting connection you're making because at first glance you know what what could these two groups of men uh have in common right i mean fascist men in weimar germany and um you know, users of, of this, this online space, the Manosphere, how, how would you describe the connection or, or the use you make of TV light, uh, for your project? hmm
1: Um, yeah, that's, that's so, so, uh, <laughs> TV light, um, his, his kind of his, uh, work, male fantasies, oh, his kind of two volume, uh, work, male fantasies is, of course, it's very, Kind of specific. It's very historical in a way, and as you say, um, you know, how can we sort of connect um, connect him or connect his ideas to kind of contemporary masculinity, to contemporary misogyny, and so on. Um, at the same time, and I think he would probably acknowledge that uh, he, he, what he sort of writes about is also kind of universal, um, and and um, he he sort of um, writes about. Um, a particular embodied form of um, misogyny, and 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 of course, and links to fascism and so on. Uh, that that is that is out there uh, because of patriarchy and and because of um, uh, sort of universal um, misogyny that that exists in you know probably most societies in the world um, and what when i was when i was sort of sort of starting to um research um for this book and 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 sort of reading um reading work around fascism and so on and um, it seemed to me that, that, that table lights work is 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 sort of the best um book on on kind of kind of um, trying to understand, or, or sort of, sort of providing an analysis of fascism, um, all those sort of forces and and sort of embodied mechanisms that eventually uh, lead to uh, fascism. That is, is there, there's, there's, this sort of unparalleled what he has, what he has achieved. Um, and I mean, it's it's very, it's very difficult to summarize um, his 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 work. is sort of more than a thousand pages long if you if you combine the. Combine the two books. Um, I, I try to do that a little bit in the in the first chapter of the book, um, and I can sort of try and do that a little bit now. It's it's, it's even even harder to do it in a few minutes. Um, but uh, one of the sort of key insights, I think, from from Tevulat's work and how he, as, as you said, he kind of um, analyzed uh, the Freikorps soldiers, sort of proto fascist militia. Um, men essentially that were sort of roaming uh, Germany of the 1920s and engaging in, in absolutely brutal horrific acts of killing um, that would sort of form the blueprint for for uh, uh, later uh, acts of, of killing by undertaken by the Nazis and so on in, in the Third Reich but what the, the point that table or one of the points that table makes is that um, he looks at um, those narratives of those men themselves through um, analyzing things like diary entries, also analyzing fiction at the time, and later uh, fiction where that sort of um, romanticized or kind of idealized or glamorized uh, 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 these Freikorps uh, soldiers and those men. Um, So he kind of um, looks at their own voices almost or at, at their own narratives. Um, that's something I very much wanted to do as well And the point that he makes is that uh, the, the men that he um, analyzes they were all um, on some level um, kind of defending against what he kind of sort of calls sort of sort of a fear of bodily uh, uh, disintegration and and a fear of becoming psychotic. Um, and um, that they very much felt sort of threatened by uh, women in particular um, and this has complex sort of reasons that we sort of can't get into now probably is to do with, um, you know, Germany lost the First World War uh, th- those men um, were sort of defeated or their, their sort of fathers were defeated etc., cetera, et cetera. it's to do with how they were raised as boys um, things like that um, they have a fear of everything that we could sort of call, you know, feminine, uh, of, of everything that is sort of sensual and of everything that is sexual, specifically as well. Um, and they kind of defend against all those fears, all those anxieties by killing, um, by killing others, by killing, you know, enemies, communists, socialists, women as well. Um, and of course. Uh, um, that's not you know that's not the same what those men do uh, that that are described in 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 the book but they also um in a way i sort of make the argument that you know in different ways they also feel that their kind of sense of masculinity and that their egos are also kind of fragmented um and and that they are sort of threatened constantly threatened with um kind of this disintegration of feelings of being kind of kind of undone feelings of being destroyed and that's also kind of similar to to table soldiers that's also women so women are responsible for that feminism is responsible for that uh, in in some way um, so th- those are parallels between you know between those and um that both of those men, types of men, they seek refuge in, in a sort of collectivity. In, in lights cases, it's, it's kind of fascism of what, what is going to be fascism. And in the case of sort of you know, the men of my book, it's um, the manosphere, it's specific, very, very specific communities that they um, then sort of become part of and, and specific identities that they take up uh, where they then sort of feel part of a collective that that literally kind of holds them holds holds them together holds their ego kind of together, right?
0: Right. And uh, to get to get into your material, your the data you were looking at, um, you you start off your analysis by looking at this group of men uh, who who refer to themselves as as so called incels, right, involuntary celibate men. So men who feel like they uh involuntarily d- do not do not get to have sex right i mean that's that's pretty much the definition of of themselves and so so how wh- what what did you find in the material how how did did the sort of the the, the framework apply to to the material you were looking at what what were they talking about
1: mm-hmm. Um, so so um, with with within cells it that sort of yeah it's, it's a particular um, kind of community of the of, of the manosphere um, and what they were well, so they, they sort of um, talk about lots and lots of things I I, I couldn't cover sort of everything um that they, you know, the, the, the sort of sort of wealth of, of the of the material of the kind of kind of things that they talk about, it's only I'm only sort of offering a kind of, kind of snapshot of of that in the book, but um. One 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 sort of sort of starting point maybe for for understanding incels and that makes them very unique, um, as a community of the nanosphere, is how hopeless um they feel kind of about about the world and and about their own kind of destiny um so because they have never been in most cases never m- maybe in some cases not for a long time uh been in a relationship with a with a woman um they feel that you know this that has sort of they're destined for this life, for this celibacy, for this for this life of of being alone and and you know uh, being an insult. So it's a very very deterministic worldview that they that they articulate.
0: And at the same time, if if I may jump in real quick, it's a very distinct identity they're creating with this, right? I mean, the the this idea of being an incel seems to be something that's obsessively repeated over and over again in in the material you, you cite, right?
1: Yeah, um, and this is something actually. I think that is sort of the case for all of those men. That, and and perhaps that's also that's also the case in in kind of fascist movements, but probably not not to that extent. That. Those different um, communities I look at, they constantly need to reassure themselves of kind of who they are and what they are. And and this is, in a sense, a kind of exist, they are in a, in a sort of constant existential crisis, in a way, um, where it's sort of about who am I? Um, what does it mean, you know, in this case, to be an incel? And um, that's something they, they sort of discuss and kind of negotiate all the time. Um, where it's it's also very often a matter of uh, of, of, kind of kind of sort of qualifying themselves whether somebody is an incel or isn't an incel. And that's a very, at least for me as an outsider, it's sort of quite a vague um, uh, description in a way because there are many cases where somebody might join this community and describe themselves and then someone else says, oh, but you are not an incel uh, because... I don't know you. You are not, um, you are not depressed enough, or you, um, and you, you have contact with with, with women, or um, you actually have a good job, or something like that. So, so it's almost a race to the bottom, uh, if you will, that, that those men engage in, where they constantly need to kind of verify and reassure themselves that they are. Uh, incels and thereby kind of they belong to this collective so that gives them a sense of maybe that gives them a sense of purpose that gives them a sense of belonging uh, that they're part of this incel community of this of this male group and and that kind of allows them to bond maybe that allows them to feel part of a you know of a a whole Um, and that then sustains uh, a very, very fragile kind of sense of identity. And in a way, that's similar to how um, any any kind of collective collective works, but it's certainly also the case in, in, in fascism. That's something that Tevelart sort of stresses that those men, he writes about, they are being sustained by either the, the, the Freikorps brigade or then later by fascism kind of proper, uh, where fascism unites them in a, in a kind of collective. Um, and, and it's something similar. So it's sort of going on within, within incels. Um, so they have a very bleak outlook on life. They have a very, very sort of, sort of um, destructive, very kind of depressive um, view about life and about themselves in particular because they are those unsuccessful, ugly you know, men. Um, often they talk about mental health conditions as well. Um, that, you know, and and all of this sort of makes them um, destined to be kind of forever alone. Um, But this is specifically then coupled with misogyny, with the hatred of women, because in their kind of, to, to, to them, women and feminism and kind of contemporary society, they're all responsible for, you know, this situation that incels are in, that incels are ignored, that they're rejected. It's because women are, you know, allegedly they're only interested in, um, you know, good-looking men. What incels call the the Chad, uh, the Chad is a kind of, an, it's a fantasy figure. It's 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 a construction that uh, of a kind of male figure that they construct, um, who is a sort of muscular, you know, handsome um, male. That, that all women are you know sort of sort of um want to be with um or, or most women want to be with with a, um, a v- very distinct
0: jawline right that seems to yeah, be very yeah. <laughs> a very absolutely. Oddly, a very important feature
1: <laughs> absolutely so so incels are also and this makes them quite unique they're obsessed about genetics they're obsessed about um, as you say, the, the the jawline. They talk about sort of their jawlines all the time, or very often, because they say if you don't have a very pronounced or kind of manly jawline, you know, you are, you know, you you you, you know, it's that's the end. You know, that's the end of things. Um, it's almost this also. also a, it's, it's a very mechanistic uh,
0: view of 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 uh, like of the world in general, but also of relationships, right? Like, I mean, it, it seems yeah. like if if only they had the right ingredients or the right features yeah. then everything would be fine but they just don't right absolutely, so there's, absolutely. there's like this distinct sense of of, of victimhood and I'm, I'm yeah i'm just yeah. wondering like because because you know you, you could look at it and saying like you know they're the perpetuating sen- sense of victimhood but at the same time like what i'm wondering about uh is and, and you get into this in the book uh using tv light what what is what is it that they're defending against by doing that?
1: Yeah. So, so on one level, the, yeah, on one level, it, it is about um, cultivating, constructing victimhood. So, so they are clearly the victims of uh, um, superficial women, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, But then at the same time, they, they sort of seek to move beyond that. Um, and, and this this move, um, I think, is one that that entirely, or in most cases, entirely occurs or takes place in in, in their minds, in in, in uh, fantasies that they then articulate online, that they write about online, uh, etc. Where, for example, through this figure of the Chad, um, you know, there is a sort of love hate relationship to to the Chad. So in a way, we could also See, you know, this figure of the Chad as a male body that incels you know, sort of eroticize perhaps, or that they um, desire because, you know, um, at the end of the day, they want to be the Chad. They want to, you know, they want to have that body, and that's something they talk about quite a lot as well. And they really debate this: whether, for example, they should be um, undergoing things like cosmetic surgery, or whether they should right. be going to the gym. Or things like that, and some say, um, no, you know, this you're giving into, you know, you're giving into the stacy, you know, what they call the stacy, the kind of kind of stereotypical female. You're giving into those demands, you know. You should not follow that. You should, you know, you, you this this should never happen. And others say, you know, that's my only hope. That's my only kind of hope that I have left. I, I'll, you know, um, go to the gym or I'll work out or I'll, I'll change my appearance or I'll have cosmetic surgery. To change my body, um, and as I was sort of looking, um, this is a very visual community as well, like like most of the internet today. Uh, and well, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to encourage uh, listeners to you know, venture into, into sure. those communities and and look at look at the data, um, but uh, in cells and, and other other men, they share lots of images, they share lots of memes, lots of clips, etc., where they create um visualizations or, or images of the chad and and of, of female bodies, etc. And and what really struck me, and sort of to go back to table light, uh, a little bit, is that the the chad, how this you know the, the chad is kind of constructed as a fantasy, I read that as a fascist body. You know, I read, I see how the chad's body is kind of created by those men. That's the body of the fa- of the fascist soldier. That's the body of the soldier male that Tevelat writes about that's the body of the soldier in fascist societies where you know men, um, or the soldier becomes the kind of archetypical, idealized body in society that everyone should emulate. And it's a body that's muscular, that's strong, that's kind of, you know, it's like it's made of steel, um, etc. And, and, um, that's what incels essentially, you know. They want to become um, a, a sort of fascist body. is my Is my argument, and and that that um, is not a coincidence that that this fantasy emerges, you know, at this moment, or that it's been sort of circulating for a couple of years now. It's because we see a very existential or a very real threat of fascism or of kind of right wing populism emerging everywhere in the world, and and. Um, you know, post-Trump or kind of you know, Trump presidency, etc. Uh, uh, and, and there was lots of overlap between um, incels and kind of fascist um, movements online, such as the alt-right movement, for example, that is a sort of fascist, sort of neo-fascist movement on the Internet.
0: Uh, some something that that really struck me in the book and and this is very confusing to me maybe you can you can say something uh about that is the sense that all these communities like not just incels but also you also analyze this group of men uh, who call themselves men go in their own way right who are sort of like one step beyond incels almost like they they've kind of renounced women altogether um and 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 what what seems very striking like is the, the creation of this narrative of victimhood. And at the same time, there seems to be a very strong element of defending against every sense of passivity or, or softness uh, or, or sort of like, um, it, it's very odd because at, at, on one level, there is helplessness, right? And they talk about that all the time. And, and, and on the other hand, there, there seems to be a real uh, threat emanating in their in their view from from everything that's kind of that that would make them vulnerable to a real interaction with a woman, right? To to actually you know try to get in touch with someone and actually talk to them and you know be rejected, but then try again and that and and that's something that they really like that they shy shy away from but there seems to be like a powerful wish to, to give in to a sort of like passivity at the same time. And it's, it's very confusing to read those accounts.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a very, that's a very good point. Um, And I think this, this contradiction is, is really at the heart of, of those communities um, in different ways and I think if we if we look at it psychoanalytically, it's it's probably not a contradiction, uh, because you know, very often you know that that sort of um psychoanalysis is all about those contradictions perhaps, or that there is where there is where there is uh, hate, there is there is love and, and, and things like that. And I think that's also the case with those men. Um on one level they absolutely defend against those 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 feelings of vulnerability of we could also maybe call them sort of feminine uh, uh, elements of themselves um they they defend against those but then at the same time they I, i agree that they um you know they want nothing more than to perhaps even break out of those communities or perhaps to you know to to make make a step into some sort of direction of, of opening up to women or of, of having more interactions with women, uh, uh etc. Um, um and I think we can also we can also see that in the fact and, and, and at first I was sort of puzzled by this. So particularly this is the case in in this community, men going their own way, or, or tau, which is sort of different from incels uh, because it's a community of where men are sort of saying um, we no longer you know we don't need to be with women we don't want to be with women women are not needed in, in our lives um, uh, we have a sort of male supremacist community or we we live a sort of male lifestyle and we're just just surrounded by men um but then if you look look at that community community they they talk about that a lot and they say kind of how, how happy they are or what, what they've been doing and kind of talk about their lives and 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 and, and things like that. But then um, at the same time, those the, that community is full of posts about women. Uh, um, so they need they need to talk about women all the time. They can't stop. Uh, and it's the same with incels. It's the same with, you know, lots of these communities. So perhaps, you know, somebody who... Isn't so psychoanalytically inclined would probably say, you know, how does that how does that go together? Don't why do they do that? uh, All of these men, if they kind of hate women so much, and I I look sort of I unpack this a little bit in the book through um, psychoanalytic work on uh, racism, psychoanalytic work on fascism, where various scholars have sort of made the argument that even though um, it seems like that fascism, for example, or racism is all about destroying the other, it's about um, literally uh, often killing the other person, the the person that is othered. Underneath that is is a kind of principle fantasy that the other needs to be maintained. The other needs to be there. Otherwise, that whole um, kind of, fantasy uh, construction, you know, it collapses like a house of cards uh, uh, because, um, uh, in a way, the more the kind of fascist, the more the the racist or the more the misogynist tries to symbolically or actually kind of annihilate or or, or destroy the other... the, the the stronger that other kind of gains a presence in fantasy, uh, uh, and and the more this other is needed actually to sustain uh, this whole sort of identity, because you know, f- you know for for those men, uh, their identities in some way revolve around um, questions of femininity, they revolve revolve around women, etc. So um, for that reason, this fantasy of um what women are how women are like how they behave uh, needs to be it needs to be maintained um and perhaps this is also a sort of you know there may be sort of unconsciously in doing that they are sort of keeping a back door open perhaps for themselves where you know they they can actually sort of get out of that community or the, those communities in some way, um, even though that's something they don't want um, but this, Contradiction of of desiring the other and kind of kind of kind of um, wanting to destroy the other is kind of is sort of maintained uh, in that in that way um, in that sort of sort of double bind in a way. Yeah,
0: I I think you bring up a very important point in uh, in in the the chapter on on this on this uh, online phenomenon. I think it's almost uh, it, the no community, right? This uh, anti anti uh, porn uh, movement, sort of, like this it's this movement against against the consumption of of pornography. And I think what's what's very interesting to me is your discussion of of uh, their uh, reflection or or of of talking about um these very specific porn genres of um of cuckold porn. And and of of this what, what's it, is it sissy sissy porn I think yeah, it's, yeah. This.
1: sissy is called a sissy hypnosis uh, porn or kind of sissy hypno porn they call it, they they call it yeah yeah
0: right and 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 maybe we can we can we can talk a bit about about those specific like sub genres of pornography um, but but what, what was really interesting to me to follow up on a point you made earlier is this idea that there's a a key element of their discussions is is sort of the fear of their own homosexuality, I guess, or or possible latent homosexuality. But you actually take that a bit further and say there's... They talk about their fear of being gay as sort of a naming of something that's even more ungraspable, and that would be the unconscious, right? Like the, the unconscious with, with all its polymorphous perversity, it's uncontrollable drives and, you know, you name it by saying, oh shit, they're trying to turn me gay or whatever. But actually there's like this, there's this thing within them that they're trying to, to fight or defend against because it seems so overwhelming. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That's something that I was kind of really, really sort of thinking about as I was looking into that, into that community. So NOFAB is, is a, is an anti-porn, anti-masturbation community specifically as well. And it's it's far more sort of nuanced than those those other communities that I look at. Uh, some people might say that it actually doesn't belong to the Manosphere. I, I, I disagree with that. I think it's part of the Manosphere as well because it's all about sort of questions of, of, of cis masculinity and things like that. And there's, there's lots of toxic elements within that as well. But what those men... Um, really, um, I think reveal um are what is the role of the unconscious here? Because that's something I was really kind of thinking about as I was writing the book, and um, that's also a point that sort of Tavila makes in his work is that uh, those men he kind of writes about, they were all sort of very, very consciously, um, you know, trying to stop those sort of feelings of bodily disintegration, trying to stop feelings of Kind of becoming overwhelmed, of becoming psychotic, they were they were sort of stopping, trying to stop those through whatever um, uh, acts that they that they committed, violence that they committed. Um, and I had a similar sort of question uh, when I was writing about kind of communities like like the Incel community and so on. All of those communities are there very very um, um, everything is there, everything is sort of out in the open. Um, nothing is symbolic. There is no, I mean, on one level, those communities are very, very kind of sim- symbolic and it's all about symbolism. They construct their own language. They construct their own codes. Uh, it's very cryptic. Um, I've got the sort of glossary in the book. So, so for readers who, you know, they, who don't know what these terms mean, I kind of try to dis- define them. Um, so it's all about kind of symbols on one level. But at the same time, um, everything is there. Uh, those men are very very they they're very articulate they're very reflexive um they're re- constantly kind of reflecting about themselves about who they are about um their identities about their mental health things like that um so on one level I kept sort of thinking you know where is the where is the unconscious here you know the for psychoanalysis that's the kind of key key question or what is what is it that I'm not seeing uh in the data where i can you know from a sort of if, if this was a sort of you know if i was a clinician or if this was a more clinical context you know you would almost you know kind of read through the lines um if those are, were kind of free associations you know you would look for things where you know maybe sort of unconscious dimensions reveal themselves right and, and it seems
0: like you'd ask what are they repressing right and it seems yeah. like yeah, they're not repressing nothing. anything nothing
1: it's, yeah. yeah, it seems it seems nothing and and of course I mean be, that can't be. I mean I mean but then that's that's what I was left with until I looked um or until I sort of got to NOFAB. Uh, and NOFAB is perhaps sort of unique in that sense, as it I think tells us more about those questions where um as you say, those men they talk about their kind of porn consumption or they frame it as porn addiction. So 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 they are sort of they say that they're addicted to um, to the consumption of pornography um, and that that has weakened them, that has weakened their sort of sense of masculinity, their sense of cis or heterosexual masculinity um, is weakened because of that and and very well that's how they feel you know I think one should take that seriously um, but then at the same time what is kind of problematic about, those, about that community perhaps is that um, they they then talk about um, different uh, types of pornography that they consume, and you mentioned uh, two kind of sort of subgenres that they that they talk about that are kind of I think fairly niche um, within porn, but they seem to be growing as well. I wasn't I wasn't really aware of them until I. Um, uh, read uh, uh started read or kind of started analyzing the NOFAP data and those um those two uh, uh, uh genres are um one is what is this a sissy uh hypnoporn that's sort of about um that depicts um scenes or, or sort of where men or where the male viewer is hypnotized and um in into into being a um, uh, a woman or into sort of hypnotized into becoming more emasculated that and that should be sexually arousing that's the point of of you know of that of that of that genre and the other uh, cuckold uh, genre cuck uh, porn is is about um, sort of uh, some a, a scene where somebody um, is forced to kind of watch um, um the, uh, the, the, the their sort of wife being unfaithful uh, essentially i mean this is is i'm very simplifying things here but right. um this is something that that they talk about that that for them that those that present particular extreme forms of um porn that they want to um uh, that, that that they kind of need that, that as their kind of addiction sort of escalated more and more and more um and then uh, coming back to the unconscious they very much then sort of speculate um w- sort of what is behind what's behind that or who is behind that so they right there's these uh, big
0: conspiracy theories yeah, that they have so they, have, they
1: go right. into this conspiracy logic where they kind of say oh feminists are behind that um uh, LGBTQ uh plus communities or, or, or individuals are behind that. Uh, there is a there is a conspiracy th- behind that to weaken us. Um, you know, men, us kind of traditionally cis men and our kind of kind of male culture is all being weakened. Uh, because um, uh, kind of kind of feminists are behind or somebody is behind that they want to take over. Um and um. This kind of speculation, uh, I think, is actually um, a desire to um, defend against their own unconscious, to defend against the you know, polymorphous perversity of the unconscious, or what we could also kind of call the, you know, kind of quintessential, you know, kind of queer nature of sexuality that right. Freud right. already kind of kind of mentions. So, so they want to. Defend against that uh, in kind of more sort of Deleuzian terms, in Deleuzian Guattarian terms. They want to defend against the sort of productivity of their of their unconscious by then um, continuously speculating, but never they never find an answer, um, obviously, or they're never satisfied with an answer in a way, um, uh, uh, because uh, of course, because nobody you know, because there is nobody uh, behind this. So there is no conspiracy kind of behind this. Uh, And instead, it's actually the question is, um, you know, have they had those sort of, you know, desires or have they had this, you know, what we could call sort of queer sexuality all along? um, Or has it been maybe brought out because of, you know, their their sort of pornography consumption? Of course, that's that's a question nobody can answer. But it's a question that I think, gives them such fundamental anxiety anxiety um because they can't understand uh you know those unconscious processes because they are unconscious. Uh, so so you know a scapegoat needs to be needs to be found. Right. Right. It's it's
0: very interesting how you how you start off the chapter on the NOFAP community uh by talking about you know the the increasing or or the you know the high number of possibilities of of identification that we now have when when watching pornography right that we can uh, can imagine or identify with so many different positions within people having sexual intercourse uh, uh, you know there's like this sense of passivity that's that that is almost always like graspable and that that's like deeply unsettling for. Uh, quite a number of people actually you know come in come in, in touch with with that sense of or, or with those those latent uh, wishes probably right and then there's the reaction to it there's no there's no fab there's there's uh you know men go in their own way there's there's these reactions to to a heightened sense of of possibility you know all these things you you can do post uh so-called sexual revolution
1: absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and and i'm uh, oh, sorry go on please no no please go ahead um and and yeah that I, and, and, I think that is also something that they uh this sort of sort of idea of passivity is something that they um also talk a lot about because to them that's another you know it's another failure you know that they are actually watching uh, Sexual intercourse taking place, you know, in a, in a video or whatever, you know, on screen, you know, for them, um, that's the ultimate failure because they could be, you know, they should be that man that they that they're watching. You know, they should be there in in his place, uh, uh, and and instead, you know, they are they are passive and and etc. Um, and and that is that is a sort of sense of sense of of, of failure because it's tied to kind of questions of masculinity and for them, you know, sort of successful masculinity in neoliberal liberal times is about, um, you know, th- there is no need for um, masturbation, for example, because you are in a relationship with a woman. So you are right. getting, yeah. you know, you are getting it, you are getting uh, sexual pleasure, etc., um from somebody else. And that's what masculinity is about. And it's not about, you know, those sort of um, uh, dynamics that they seem to be uh, kind of caught up in this this
0: idea of of masculinity you just mentioned or or more generally speaking of, of like this manliness is something that that also runs like a threat uh, through these communities right and i think you make a very interesting point about about it being connected to these ideas of the father um in all the communities we already discussed, but also in in manifestos of mass shooters you you look at which is probably the more disturbing uh part of the book um but but in in that chapter specifically uh look looking at for example breivik's uh relationship to to his father right or his ideas about about his father uh and another another shooter I forget his name is it uh
1: Elliot is it? Uh, Elliot Roger, yeah, who was who is also Roger. Right. sort of called, right. and, called himself an incel, actually, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's this strong
0: sense of, um, not not having gotten the the right phallic sort of masculinity from from the father, right? But then also like there's this the, there are these ideas of, um, you know, allying with with sort of this tyrannical. Uh, almost like, like bru- brutal father in in sort of exercising any any feminine part in in the self, right? There's this very strong idea of 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 clinging clinging to to father to to get rid of vulnerability and and by actually, you know, by by performing like I mean these men cross the boundary and actually perform these these awful acts, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, so 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 that that's that's something I sort of un I also unpack a little bit through um, uh, the the psychoanalyst late psychoanalyst Ruth Stein, who's written a I think really um, really important book about um, Islamist terrorists, and which is a sort of sort of she sort of um, provides a sort of psychoanalytic. Um, understanding or kind of analysis of, of, of them and, and she also kind of makes this link to the to the father. That of course in any religion or in, no, not in, in, in many religions, certainly not in not in any, uh God is often um you know portrayed or is actually a father figure and is the sort of ultimate ultimate father and, and Stein sort of makes the argument that's certainly the case for those um Islamist terrorists um where they are you know essentially guided uh in their violence by um a father figure that 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 is god uh uh, and and uh it's about then sort of gaining or or kind of um um finally uh gaining some some sort of sense of of power perhaps or, or recognition um and those two um, mass shooters that I, that I looked at in one chapter of the book Breivik that uh, the, the, the cases of course that that case is quite well known um, and Elliot Roger, who, um who is often sort of also talked about in, in the manosphere who um, committed uh, acts of shooting in 2014 in, in the United States um, and who is, who was also sort of um, called himself an incel. Um both of them, had sort of particular, yeah, particular. We could say a particular failed relationship, maybe to 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 the father, uh, and and that made me want to sort of look into that a little bit more. And in psychoanalytic theory, of or in, often in psychoanalysis, it's the father that is the kind of you know that is the intervening um, agent that is the third that kind of you know breaks this sort of. Um, diet between mother and baby that opens um up the you know the baby towards you know a sort of sense of sense of reality uh, almost um in lacan of course that then becomes you know it becomes sort of uh, name of the father symbolic order you know things like that. It's all sort of sort of connected so there is uh, on some level you know that the, the father is is quite important in psychoanalysis and um it's then maybe also kind of important in sort of what I kind of call handing down the, the phallus. or so that's, that's, that's uh, right. an argument that, you know, Jessica Benjamin makes, for example, you know, that the, the father is idealized by the, by the boy uh, uh, in, in particular. Um, and um, those men, particularly those, those two, they had kind of a sort of failed relationship or, or problematic relationship with their fathers um, where they didn't feel, um, valued, or they didn't. They didn't. They weren't seen by their fathers, so that they had to commit these, you know, ultimate acts of of horror, essentially in perhaps uh, an unconscious sort of hope of, you know, finally being seen. Uh, and ultimately, of course, in doing that, they want to sort of um, go beyond their own fathers. They want to kind of surpass their their fathers, or want to kind of, you know, kill. Uh, the, the father as well uh, in, in, in that sense um, and that's also something that that is sort of mirrored a little bit in, in the other communities that I look at incels for example in particular because they also talk a lot about their parents and their fathers in particular them being men that they are in the situation that they're in because of their parents so they blame their parents for you know for, for sort of having the wrong gene pool or having the wrong sort of genetic um, uh, sort of, sort of um, ba- base that they, you know, then uh, passed on to, to, to incels or passed on to those men. So, so um, uh, to some degree, they are in this sort of position because uh, of their parents or because of their fathers uh, in particular. And that's also the case with, you know, Breivik or um, Roger as well right right um
0: you you described the book before as a psychoanalysis of the manosphere right and I think that's actually a very a very good description because it feels like what you're trying to do is to to open up a space uh, to think especially in the face of these very mechanistic uh worldviews right of, of these ideas of of um, you know like the the genetic determinism for example that these men talk about and you actually you, tr- you you try to sort of open open up a space and it's very interesting that that the last the last chapter in the book or the conclusion is is titled uh, space for hope and, and and in the end you you sort of you sort of talk about a, a possible vision um uh, uh out out, out of uh, of the manner of the dead end of the manosphere right by using using jessica benjamin again uh, jessica benjamin's recognition theory could you talk about uh, that a bit
1: yes um so 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 as i was sort of writing this book and, and sort of having conversations with uh, colleagues and and particularly with um with uh, Caroline Bainbridge and and Candida Yates who are the um, series editors uh, of the book series that this book is part of. Psychoanalysis and Popular Culture. Um, um, the question, sort of the the the, the 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 sort of a major kind of question, kind of presented itself in a way, and and that's about is there a way out, or um, you know what follows from this? Uh, what are we, what are we to do? What are we le- What are we left with? Um, at the end of the day and and uh, that's a very difficult question I think that's a question that's uh, it's, it's almost impossible to answer um, or also in terms of how can we intervene in those communities it's very difficult uh, it's almost impossible I think and in a way those um, probably a lot of those men they actually need you individual um you know, it would it certainly wouldn't do them any harm if they if they were in therapy or in you know in, in psychodynamic therapy you know, let's put it this way uh, that's probably what they what they would need but um, um, the other the other sort of question was you know um, is there perhaps a bit of bit of hope in this or is there is there perhaps a bit of a bit of uh, a different perspective in this and um, with my kind of theoretical framework that I use in the book, that's probably quite difficult to deliver or to kind of um, show because I look at things like the phallus, I, look, I draw on, on, on table light, I talk about uh, you know, questions of inhibition, et etc. et cetera. Um, so, so that isn't really possible through my sort of quite Freudian framework in a way. But then um, I was sort of reading Benjamin. And her, you know, her work on recognition that opened up a different perspective for me, uh, really. Um, so Benjamin, kind of very briefly, uh, listeners will probably know this. Um, uh, for Benjamin um, and her sort of relational approach, uh, recognition is the sort of foundational moment between, um, you know, the subject or the baby and the caregiver. You know, in most in most cases the mother, but then also sort of. Other primary caregivers around, around the baby. So recognition for her, then means that um, the baby is able to, um, and the subject uh, eventually uh, is able to see that the other is similar and also different from you know from myself. Uh, and the other um, is able to do the same. So the other is also able to see that they are. The same as the subject, and they're different from the subject as well. And this is kind of foundational for Benjamin. It's it's it's, it's foundational for, uh, for any ethics and and things like that. And that's really um, how she has kind of developed um, uh, psychoanalysis and 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 through her sort of emphasis on the, on, on the third and things like that. But um, I was really struck by a particular. Idea that she kind of um, talks about uh, that that sort of very much comes from Winnicott, um, where for for Winnicott and kind of object relations um, approaches, it's it's um, uh, kind of if we if we look at uh, you know instances of fantasies of destruction, um, and you know the, the book is full of those. The book is full of um, fantasies of destruction very violent fantasies of you know revenge annihilating the other destroying the other um etc um but from a kind of you know winnicott talks about that you know the infant um also has these fantasies and they are actually very um foundational they're very existential for the infant in so far as uh, they you know, sort of um, have fantasies of destroying the other uh, in in their mind, and and of you know, kind of destroying the other, um, and in order to see if um, the other will survive those fantasies, and if you know, if, if the other survives those fantasies, uh, they are re- you know, they are really there, they really exist, and they can um, give me that recognition. They can give me. Uh, that love they really you know they really love me and this is very important for any you know for any relationship and, and, and so on because it means that you know conflict etc etc can take place and and there is enough sort of unconditional love that sustains all of that um, and that's something that I was then sort of so I think that's maybe also the case with the, with those men because at the end of the day, what those men want, and we've talked about this earlier, you know, they, in a way, all they want is recognition. They want to be seen. They want to be recognized. They want to be valued. They want to be loved by the other, by by women. Uh, the the tragedy perhaps is that they can't articulate that. Sometimes they do, but very often they they don't, and instead they continuously uh, create those fantasies. Mm that are, at the end of the day, perhaps, you know, similar uh, 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 to, to what Winnicott talks about, so, so that those fantasies of destruction are actually, perhaps unconsciously, um, about testing, you know, checking if the other um, will survive them. That's also why this other, you know, the, the, the woman, has to be continuously talked about in those communities, so that this presence... Is there that the presence is sort of is sort of maintained? Um, of course, the difference perhaps here is that there is no actual other there. You know that's the problem. Uh, whereas you know in in infant um, in the infant mother relationship or in in, in sort of um, early early years relationships, there is actually a, a person there who can you know signal. Um, to the to the child or who can signal to who can show I'm here, I'm you know, I, I'm surviving your sort of phantasmatic attacks on me. And that's not that's that. Very, it's um, it's very interesting. I just I just thought if if
0: the book itself isn't that kind of gesture as well. Uh you know, that because you're actually trying to think about these men, right? You're not you're not giving in to the impulse of and this is something you talk about throughout the book of not platforming these people right i mean i mean you 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 actually make a point at, at at different stages of the book saying you know i think it's actually really important to look at the data uh to 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 think about what they're saying to think about the meaning of what they're saying and it's very different than than saying you know obviously these men are saying horrible things we shouldn't even engage with that
1: mm-hmm yeah, and and this is maybe also this is the sort of te- um, tension I was in, or that that's a kind of tension I sort of have to live with, or that I have to maintain, or that I sort of manage. In the book, on one level, um, this is a kind of critical um, analysis of of those men, and I I, I very critically um, I sort of unmask unmask them, uh, uh, perhaps. Um, but then at the same time, it, it is also about that, as you say. And um, I, 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 there are, of course, limits to that understanding. And I'm also, I'm a man, so, so I'm, I, I, I can probably understand them differently than, you know, a woman could. I wouldn't necessarily expect a woman to, you know, or to, to you know, we, we wouldn't necessarily demand of a woman to understand them in that way um, because they are the target here. Um, so, so that's something I think to, that's something important to sort of keep in mind. Um, but at the same time, I also don't think it's, 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 it's sort of helpful, um, to, yeah, just, just ban them. Um, I mean, so, some of those, some of those communities also that I was, that I was, um, sort of monitoring as I was doing the research, uh, they're already banned now, so that data is actually it's 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 gone. The data is deleted because um, uh, uh, Reddit, for example, uh, shut lots of those communities down, um, and that, that leads to bigger questions in relation to w- what do we want the internet to look like, uh, etc. Um, but uh, uh, and, and and that's very difficult to to answer because on on one level we you know we. Uh, by just shutting these communities down, we 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 gain nothing. It's not like those those uh, men then stop. Uh, you know, it's not like they would stop calling themselves uh, uh, incels just because uh, their 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 forums is, is been banned now. Um, but at the same time, should these communities be so publicly accessible? Uh, they're very open, and anyone can join them. It's, you know, this is this is a very very complex question, but um just by just by sort of um just just by only criticizing them or by only um, trying to cancel them or um, i don't think i don't think that's the way that's the way forward um yeah yeah it's 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 uh yeah. it's, it's it's a it's complex a, question yeah, definitely yeah yeah
0: yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. well th- Jacob, we're already over
0: over the one hour mark. So I think we have to bring this to a close. Thank you so much. This uh, conversation was great. And um, the book is is very fascinating. Uh, so I'll encourage the audience to pick it up. It's called uh, Fantasy, Online Misogyny and the Manosphere, Male Bodies of Disinhibition. And I've been talking to Jacob Johansson. Thank you very much, Jacob.
1: Thank you. Thanks a lot.